Hey, thanks for checking out Passionate Life Church. If you'd love to get to know us more, please visit us at passionatelifechurch.com. We're so glad that you've joined us. Get ready for an awesome message. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? You guys excited to be in the house of God today? Awesome. Hey, my name is Andrew. For those of you that do not know me, I am the lead pastor. And again, I want to thank you guys so much for coming today. I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. And if you're going to watch us throughout the week and also listen to our podcast, thank you for watching and listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right, man, before we get into the message today, I want to give you a quick challenge. And that challenge is if you do not serve on an impact team on a Sunday, I want to encourage you to go to the Welcome Center and talk to somebody about getting plugged in in one of our areas. We are in need in every area. And so pick an area. We need people in it. Um, we've just been hit hard by, uh, you know, the pandemic and stuff and, and people not wanting to come back and that's okay. Uh, but we need people to serve God's house so we can function uh, properly the way God wants us to function. And so I want to encourage you, man, you got gifts, you got talents, you are needed in this house and it's really easy. We make it really easy to serve this house. So I want to encourage you, go to the Welcome Center and, and have a conversation about somebody and where you can get plugged in. Good? Good. Hey, we are pressing pause on our series, Fear Factory, um, just to give you another week to digest. No, uh, just we're putting pause because we have an amazing guest speaker today. Um, and she came last year and she burned the house down. I mean, just fire. First service was fire. Uh, her name is Nicole Winsek. Uh, she is an amazing author and speaker. And so I just want to uh, encourage you guys, give her an awesome, passionate life church welcome as she comes up. Come on, Nicole. Hey, hey, hey. Man, it's good to be in church. I'll tell you, isn't it good to be in church? For me, it's been a long time. And so it's also really good to be in this church, to be here with some friends that pastors Andrew and Don were there for Mike and I, my husband and I, when we were pretty broken when we were going through a really hard time. And God sent them into our lives to speak what we needed to hear, to revive us, to encourage us. They're speaking things over us, and we're like, who are you talking to? Because <laughs> you can't be meaning us. And I just am so grateful for you guys. I honor you. Uh, can we honor them as a church? I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times people in ministry, it's, it's tough. You hear a lot of negative things. You go through a lot that you have to carry and you have, no one ever knows. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you. Speak love, speak life, speak honor, speak encouragement over your staff, over your pastors, because we have seen the love that they have for you. We have seen what they have sacrificed. And it's not a show. They, what they do behind the scenes, they love Jesus and they love this church. Can we honor them one more time? I love you guys. It's a privilege to be here today. So before we get into the word, and I do believe that God has a specific word, and you know, whenever I'm praying about God, what do you want me to speak on? I don't know whether it's for this one, because the one matters in scripture, or, or, or what, but I know it's impacted me. And so what I also know is that when, when God has a word that he wants 
to take seed and to take root in our heart because he knows what it's going to produce in our lives. The enemy wants to rob that before it even gets planted. And so right now, can we just do something? Can you, wherever you are, lift your hands out as a physical expression of what you're doing in your heart, what I'm doing, and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to allow this word to take root. Lord God, my hands are open. My heart is open. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, victory over every distraction in this place. God, over every sin, everything that would hinder We want your truth to grow in our life because we know it will produce life. Life for our marriage, life for our families, life for those we've been called to impact. So God Almighty, I pray, hear my prayer. Speak through me, get me out of the way and allow all these hearts to be open for what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're ready, can you say I'm ready? You ready to receive this? Okay, so today we're going to be jumping into a couple stories and bringing them together about a certain topic that I think is so relevant for today as it was when Jesus was teaching back then. Our first first story, I want to set the scene a little bit. There's this Pharisee. He's a really righteous man. He makes sure that he lives his life, you know, by the law to a T, and he's really proud of that fact, and everybody knows it, Right? So this man hosts a a dinner, supper, lunch party, whatever, and he has a guest of honor there. Jesus is there. And I, I imagine that he thinks it's going pretty well. He's feeling pretty good about it until she walks in or until he sees her. And he's probably thinking, what is she doing here? How dare she show her face She knows what kind of woman she is and whose presence she's in. Why would she think she has a right to be here, right? Well, on the other hand, from her perspective, I imagine it took every ounce of courage within her to muster the ability to even show up, knowing her sin, knowing her shame, knowing she was scarlet to everybody else. But she knew who was going to be there, and so it didn't matter. So she comes, she sees Jesus, and she just falls at his feet. And all at once, all of her shame, all of her past, everything she'd ever done just literally comes pouring out of her through tears. And it just falls all over his dirty feet. And she takes her hair, and she starts washing his feet. And then she pulls something out that everyone would have recognized was incredibly expensive, possibly bought by her sinful lifestyle. And she begins to pour out this ointment, this perfume all over Jesus. And I I just imagine the room is like just thick, intense with everyone watching and judging. And the Pharisee looks over and he's thinking to himself, if that man really was a prophet, if that Jesus was a prophet, he would know what kind of filthy woman is touching him. Look, in Luke Chapter 7, verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus, he said to himself, he thought, if this was, man was a prophet, he'd know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And it's as if Jesus could read his very thoughts, right, because he can. Then he looks across the room and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And I believe the very same lesson that Jesus wants To teach them, he wants to teach us today. And so he begins and he says, there were two people that owed money to a moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other just 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back. 
So the moneylender forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them, he's talking to Simon, will love the moneylender more? And I'm sure Simon being called out in front of all his house guests is like, uh, I suppose the one who had the greater debt forgiven. And I love the words Jesus used. Simon, you have judged correctly. And then Jesus turns toward that woman who I'm just, I'm just picturing. She doesn't, she can't even look up. She's the spectacle of the room, feeling all of her shame. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. I just, you righteous man, right? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and her hair. You did not give me a kiss. In other words, you didn't greet me and welcome me and worship me when I came in. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head. She has poured out probably the most expensive, precious thing she had. She has poured that out on Jesus. And he says, therefore, I just see it, all the people judging around, that judgmental Pharisee, therefore I tell you, her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And in other words, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. This Pharisee, He was so focused on doing for God, right? Making sure he was doing for God that he actually missed the heart of God. He missed the very essence of Jesus and who he was, what he was about, grace, love, forgiveness. And I want to tell you something. Today, as we talk about these two different stories, this is the essence of the gospel. If we miss this in our hearts right now, we miss it all. How forgiveness should impact and play out in our life. So our second story, if you want to go to Matthew verses 18, this takes place when um, Peter, he comes up to Jesus and he says, which I think we've all asked this question before. He says, so Jesus, how many times is like too many times to forgive somebody, right? Like, you've hurt me, you've hurt me again, you've hurt me again, like, how many times? So if you're married, if you have, uh, if you work anywhere, if you literally, unless you're basically home alone and you have no interaction with people, if you have any relationships whatsoever, someone's going to hurt you, right? Someone's going to hurt you, but you know what? You're also going to hurt someone. You're going to have people, that's how it is in relationships, we're all sinful, they're going to hurt you, and they're going to offend you. So how many times is too many times? And this, I love that. He's like, seven times? And Jesus is like, no, not seven times, 77. But then he goes on to basically say, look, it's not about the number. Let me give you a parable. Let me give you a story. Let me paint you a picture of what forgiveness should and should not look like in our life. So he goes on and he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, in other words, he's teaching a parable, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. All right, so picture this king and he's got all the accounts open. And he, as he began this, to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Do y'all like have an imagination? Like picture literally in this auditorium. I don't know if we could fit that many. 10,000. 
thousand bags of gold. Let's just say it's a couple billion dollars. That's insane, right? That's how, that's how big his debt was. And there was no way he could pay it. There was absolutely no way he could pay it. And so since he was not able to pay, as was like custom for that time, the master ordered he and his wife and his children and everything he owed to be sold to pay off his debts. Now, I think it's really easy to disconnect from the story. So I try to put myself in it. And I want you to do that right now. I want you to picture the very people in your life that you love the most. Is it your best friend? Is it your spouse? Occasionally. Is it your kiddos? Occasionally. You know, whoever it is, who are the people you hold the most dear to you? And picture them about to be ripped from you. Everything you own, everything you love, that is where this man is. And there is nothing he can do about it. And so, of course, like we would do, he falls to his knees and he begs, please, please have mercy on me. Be patient with me. I will pay it back. He's begging for mercy. And this king looks at him and he has mercy. And he says, your 10,000 bags of gold, whatever that is, your, your billion dollar debt is canceled. You may go. Oh my goodness. In this moment, this guy must just be like, Picture everything that you were about to lose. You were just given that mercy, all right? That's where he's at. So we get to see the very next thing that this man does, all right? It says, that servant went out, and either he ran into or he sought him out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him, what does it say? A hundred silver coins. How much did this guy owe the king? 10,000 bags of gold. But this man that he runs into, how much does he own? Just a couple hundred silver, a hundred silver coins. So what does he do? This man who had just had his billion dollar debt canceled, everything was at stake. He was just about to lose everything. He just got set free. He just got showed mercy. What does he do? He runs into somebody who owes him just a few coins and he grabs him by the neck. He starts to shake him and he says, pay me back what you owe me. So that man falls to his knees, same thing happens, says, please show me mercy, have patience with me, right? So what happens, right? The man who had the billion dollar debt canceled, does he show mercy? No. The Bible says he refused and he had him thrown into jail until he could pay back what he owed. Everybody around was watching and saw what happened. And the Bible says they were outraged outraged, and they ran and told the king. And so the king, he pulls the servant in, and he says, you wicked servant. I canceled all your debt. I forgave you everything because you asked me to. I canceled it all. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. Remember, this story that Jesus is telling them, this is in context of the question that Peter asked. How many times should we forgive someone? And Jesus is like, no, no, let me tell you what forgiveness should and should not look like in our lives. 35, Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Listen, it is easy 
for us right now to hear these stories and to be outraged ourselves and to look at this unmerciful servant and say, man, that guy, what a jerk. How could he do that? Like, that's crazy. After he was showed so much grace, so much love, after he almost lost it all, his debt was canceled, how could he then not forgive the debt of someone for just a few coins, right? It's easy for us to feel that emotion. I remember reading this for the first time, and I was mad. It's easy for us to be like that Pharisee, seen so clearly the sins of the broken woman that were so obvious, yet missing what God wanted to do in our own life. Can I tell you something today? Can we get real and can, can God do a work in the church starting with us? We all have sin in our lives that is blocking our view. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And check this out. With the same measure. Picture some measuring cups. I'm a visual. Picture some measuring cups. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. How's that going? How well are you pouring out? What are you pouring out onto others? How much love? How much grace? How much forgiveness? Or is it a lot of hurt? Bitterness, anger, resentment. What measure are you using with others? The Bible says this. Why do we look at the speck or the sin of sawdust in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the sin we have in our own lives? Guys, God wants to do a work in us. He says, how can you say to brother, let me take that out of your eye. Let me help you out. Let me point out what you're doing. Or let me gossip about what all these other people are doing. All the while... There is some sin in our own life. He says, hypocrites, first take your, basically deal with the sin in your own life. Take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to what? See clearly to remove or to help your brother out. It is easy for us to miss or to justify what God wants to do in our life because we're so busy judging or trying to help other people. There's an example that, I want to share with you because this is something that just kind of like opened my eyes to how, how prevalent this is. So I don't know if you've heard about this guy before. His name's David. He's kind of a big deal in the Bible. King David, he like killed a giant with a couple stones, all that. So he became a king and he literally made a royal mess of things. Like it was a royal scandal. He had, he had an affair. He had some guy killed. Like it was bad, right? And so... Before David gets officially called out by God on his sin, the prophet Nathan comes to him kind of in a stealthy way. So uh, Nathan comes up to David one day and he's like, hey, uh, David, there was this man, and I'm paraphrasing, go check it out and do your due diligence. But he basically is like, there was this man and this family and all they had was this little baby lamb. And this little baby lamb, they loved that lamb. This was a poor family, and they raised that lamb, and it was like part of their family, and it was like so precious to them, right? And then there was this rich guy over here who had like, I'm sure he had like every kind of animal you can think about, right? Lambs and sheep, I think they're the same thing, whatever, camels, donkeys, all the things. So he has all this stuff. And one day, the rich guy is like, he has a people over, and he's like, oh, I need, I want to make the best meal for my people. So instead of taking some of uh, the food or the meat from his, he goes over to this poor family that only has one little lamb and he says, I want that one. 
and he goes and he takes it from them and he kills it and they eat it. No joke. He, and, and as Nathan is telling this to David, David is outraged. Like he is so mad. He's like, that guy deserves to die. Who could do such a thing? Like he needs to be paid back four times over. And Nathan looks right at him and he says, David, that man is you. That's what you have done. But do you notice how David couldn't even put it together? He didn't even realize he was talking about him because we don't see ourselves. We make ourselves all these justifications, all these excuses, but we don't do that for others, do we? So today, today, can you hear me? This message, I had to fall on my face before the Lord and I said, you do a work in me. Do a work and let it start here. And I want to ask you right now, wherever you are in your walk, wherever you are in your relationships, don't be thinking about the person you think that needs to hear this. Let God do a work in you first so that he can continue. Yes, let him do a work in you first. So the question I want to ask you, as I have thought about me and I am challenging you to look at your own life and God say, create in me a clean heart, do a work, show me my wicked ways is how well do we forgive others? How does forgiveness impact our life and others? What does it look like in our life? So the way we forgive others, the way you and I forgive others, should mirror the way Jesus has forgiven us, the way we have been forgiven by Jesus. So the way, what it should look like should match. The way you forgive the people that wrong you in your life should mirror the way Jesus has forgiven you. Something that I did that I want to encourage you. If you want this faith to go beyond this moment and today, you want this to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday faith, not just a Sunday faith, can I challenge you in your quiet time this week? You guys ready for that? Can I challenge you? I encourage you, and I did this, and this was tough. I got out a blank sheet of paper, and on one side I wrote down, how has Jesus forgiven me? And I asked Siri and I asked Google, you can do that just so you know. You don't have to be Bible scholars. I do that on the run. I'm like, show me verses about how Jesus has forgiven me, right? Or you can look in the back of your Bible at forgiveness. And write, I wrote down the verses. How has Jesus forgiven me? Wrote descriptions, uh, descriptions, made it personal to the things I've done. And, you know, just all the ways Jesus has forgiven me. And on, I drew a line. And on the other side, I wrote down some names of some people that have hurt me pretty good. And I looked, and I had to say, does the way Jesus has forgiven me match or mirror the way I have forgiven them? And I want to challenge you to do the same thing because it's so easy for us to put stipulations, to put reasonings or justifications on how often, how many times, why or why not we will forgive someone. Do you relate with this? Are there some people that are easier to forgive, some sins or some things that are done to you that are easier to forgive, we put stipulations on it. But every time, this is where I come to, every time where I am struggling, and this happens a lot. I must be pretty sinful, I'm telling you. It happens a lot where I am struggling. People offend me, people hurt me, and I'm like, ugh, trying to live for Jesus. People are mean, right? You know what I'm talking about. So every time what I come down to is if I hold on to this, what will it cost the kingdom? If I hold on to my unforgiveness in this relationship, what will it cost the kingdom? In my workplace, what's going to cost the kingdom if I hold on to unforgiveness? And you know, there are many times where we just don't want to. Can we be honest? 
Sometimes we just don't feel like it. Most of the time, we don't feel like it. It's really easy. So I'll give you a specific example. My husband and I, I love him. He's such a sweet man. I'm just going to put that clarification right there (laughs) for what's coming next, right? So I love him. He's super sweet and awesome and handsome and all the things. But um, have you ever heard of the uh, five love languages? Like that's a book. And then there's the like five love languages apology version, which we so need to read. I've been telling him. So anyways, we, we apologize very differently, very differently. And he is like kind of this, just his whole personality. He's like, it's no big deal. We'll like go with the flow. Nothing matters. So he doesn't like get upset easy, which is a good thing. But he also doesn't like care that I'm upset sometimes, right? So, which is not amazing in America. So, um, so a lot of times I will be upset or offended or something. And his version of apology is like, okay, well, it's no big deal. And then I'm like, wait, what? And then he's like, I said, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, that's not technically an apology, right? Does any, no, don't raise your hand. Okay. I was about to cross the line, right? So I'm like, that's not an apology. And it's a lot harder for me. And then it's like, then he gets mad, and then I get mad, and he's like, what? You know, so just a glimpse into me being honest with you. For me, even in just small things that don't matter, and for you, whether it's something really big or something really small, we can make justifications on, like, their apology was awful. No, not forgiven, right? Or you've done this too many times. No, not forgiven. Like, you need to prove yourself. Or no, you know what I mean? There's so many reasons. But I think about my kids, guys. I think about my soon-to-be teenagers that I'm raising, I think about my neighbors that I am begging God for their salvation. And it's when I see their faces, it stop, I'm not kidding you, it stops me in my tracks. And I think, what will it cost the kingdom? I don't want to be so selfish that I put my feelings over the mission of God. Do you hear me? I don't want to be so selfish that I put What's happened to me, these coins, these hurts that have happened to me over people's eternity, it does not matter when we look at it like that. Every single time I realize the mission matters more. What I'm called to matters more. Reaching the lost matters more than these coins. The same measure that you and I have been forgiven. Are we pouring that out? Do we love Jesus enough? to let go, to cancel others' debts over the coins. He who has been forgiven much loves much. I want to give you a word picture (laughs) that I think will stay with you because, one, it's a little gross, okay? I'm just warning you right now. The word picture is a little gross. So, but I, I think it's good that, like, sometimes I remember, like, hearing something growing up in church, like an example someone gave, and it has stuck with me forever. So, sorry, this may stick with you forever, but it'd be good. So, um, when we moved to Texas, like, six or seven years ago before we lived in Colorado Springs, um, anybody from Texas or know the humidity? We got one. It's hard to see out there. So, um, the humidity in the Gulf was insane when we moved there. It was midsummer. It was crazy hot. Um, the moisture in the air was like literally a breeding ground for diseases. So we get there, and one of my kids comes up to me, and they're like, hey, Mom, this really hurts, this like rug burn thing on my arm. Like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. Like any good mama would, what do you do? You put a Band-Aid on it, and like, you're good to go, right? So then a couple days later, one of my other kids comes up, and um, they're like, we both have them. And then I put, take the Band-Aid literally off of, it was my son Jesse, his arm, and I was like, holy cow. 
It was triple in size. It was oozing. It was gross. I was like, what is happening, right? Before I knew it, all three kids had multiple sores. And I'm like, we're going to the doctor. These Band-Aids are not working, right? So I go to the doctor, and he's like, this is staph infection. Are you new to the area? He's like, this is common here. He was like, this is staph infection. You can't cover it up. It will fester. You can't put a bandage on it and cover it up and hope it'll go away. It will infect everyone that they touch. Listen to this. Unforgiveness is the infection that won't allow the wounds to heal. Do you hear me? Unforgiveness is the infection in our life that won't allow the wounds to heal. We cannot just cover it up, cut people out of our life, do whatever the pretending we're doing. Because guess what? You're going to infect other people, everyone. that It will come out of you. It will ooze out of you. I told you it was gross. We have got to bring it to the doctor. We've got to allow him to cleanse it. We've got to allow it to be treated and washed in steps to make it better. Forgiveness is a choice. A lot of our walk with Christ is a choice over feelings. I don't know if you've been there yet, but a lot of our our choice to obey God goes against our feelings. And so forgiveness is a choice not based on what we feel, and that choice is ours. But the miracle of forgiveness, the miracle that God wants to do with your obedience of forgiveness, that's up to the Lord. All we're supposed to do is say, God, even at times where I'm like, it doesn't make sense. This hurts. They've done this too many times. But out of love for you, out of the same measure you poured out on me, I'm here. And you know what? That's where miracles happen. That's where, do you want breakthrough in your marriage? Do you want breakthrough in whatever area of your life? Do you want God to do something incredible? Well, maybe it starts with healing those wounds that are infecting the relationships in your wife life, or that too. Um, Staph infection actually um, stays in your system for life. I didn't know if you knew that. So like from time to time, it'll like pop up in my kids because it stays in your system for life. But guess what? It doesn't have to be an open wound impacting the people around you. There are wounds that things that have happened to you and me that maybe no one else will know about ever that stay with us, but they don't have to be an open wound and I don't have to infect other people with it. Do you hear me? If we allow us and our just simple choice to come to the Lord because of our love for him and we bring our forgiveness, I have seen, I'm thinking of faces right now, of marriages that were lost beyond all hope not beyond all hope. There's one that we can put our hope in, right? And when one spouse or chose to forgive, even though the other didn't deserve it, neither did we, right? I have seen miracles. I have seen families restored. I have seen things, and I don't know where you're needing that in your life, but I believe it starts right here. And if you need a reason, if you're struggling with a reason of letting go, it's this right here. I forgive. I give grace. I pour out all of these things out of love for Jesus as unto the Lord. Not because they deserve it, but because I love the Lord. And because he gave his all for me, because he poured his love out on me when I didn't deserve it. If you're a believer, he canceled your billion-dollar debt that you could never pay. How can we then as believers hold grudges for coins? Do you hear me? 
There are some people that need to be set free today because you're holding on to coins instead of entrusting it to the Father to work a miracle. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. May, may we be, may our lives look more like that broken woman who knew she was full of sin, but she didn't care. She, she gave her all and poured her life out and worshiped Jesus. May we be more like her than the Pharisee or the unmerciful servant. But I want to ask you this. You can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. So what I want to ask you is, have you ever received, embraced, accepted God's forgiveness? Because if you're struggling in your life and you're like, I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know. Or maybe you're struggling to let go of your own past. Have you received the forgiveness of Jesus? I want to read you a couple of scriptures. I had a really beautiful phone call yesterday from a woman who, she's been in church for years. Let me tell you this. And I've known her for a couple years. And she called me and she said, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've let go and truly given my life to Jesus. It's not about going to church. It's not about anything like the Pharisee. You do. Have you accepted and received God's grace? You see, reconciliation is a two-way street. It really is. And Jesus did his part once and for all. While we were sinners, God knew every single thing you have ever done and ever will do. Do you hear that? His grace is so good. His love is so good. While he was on the cross, listen to me. Do you know what kind of love and grace he pours out? The people that were beating him, the people that were spinning on him. Do you know what he says while he's suffering in agony? He says, Father, forgive them. That is how we are called to love. And if you haven't received that forgiveness, you sure cannot give it because it's supernatural. It's not within my strength. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit received at salvation. So if you have not received that today, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, amen? He is just to forgive and to cleanse from what? All unrighteousness. There is no sin, no past, nothing greater than God's grace. He's not the one holding on, maybe you are. Psalms 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions? Have you given your sin and your past to him? He wants to forgive. If that's you in this place right now, I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to know we're all going to stand before God one day. All of us. We don't know the day. Do you know for sure that you've accepted his salvation? There is one way to heaven. One way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Have you received it right now all over this place? Would you bow your heads? Would you let the Spirit work in your life? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So all across this place, if you have a doubt in your mind right now, seal it today. Would you pray with me? Would you say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins. Save me, wash me, forgive me, and make me new. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I let go of my past, I believe 
that you're enough. I believe that you rose again, defeating death. Help me to love and forgive others as you have been, as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining Passionate Life Church today. If you want more information on events, you can visit us at passionatelifechurch.com. We look forward to seeing you soon.